0: Welcome to Markitecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology vendors. I'm Ari Papero. I'm joined today by Matthew Roche from ID5. Thank you for being here. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Perfect. As, as, as good as it can get. Uh, well, thanks for having me and, and congrats on uh, launching this great initiative. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we'll get a lot out of this conversation. So why don't we start by uh, uh, you introducing your company and yourself and give us some of the basics. Sure. So I'm Matthew Roche.
1: I'm the CEO of ID5. And ID5 is, a, is an identity company, four years old now, created in, in late 2017, originally in Europe. We're now 40 people across Europe and the U.S., and our mission as a company is, is to support digital advertising by making identity work—you know, post-cookie, post-made, privacy-first world. Identity is obviously a very important part of what makes digital advertising valuable for brands and and publishers. What makes those transactions work better than you know, analog or or let's say traditional media? And we've been working as an industry with kind of. Historical uh, methods that are either no longer available or no longer suitable. Uh, and so our, our job is to really kind of build a better infrastructure for advertising to work on top
0: of. So let's dive into the product. And this is pretty abstract. Like it's not a UI you can log into, uh, it's not Don't a demo. <laughs> workflow. <laughs> Can't demo it. No. Um, so, but I, I want to make sure that our listeners and the people watching this really understand what it is. Sure. So, I guess to tee it up, in the old world, anyone who had a tag on the page could read and write their own identity through a cookie that was anonymous or pseudo-anonymous, and then they also could potentially bridge that to something less anonymous like an email address or other PII in the old-fashioned way of talking about it. Um, Tell me, now, in this new world, you, ID5 is an ID, and it's a universal ID across all the parties in the transaction.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 interesting. The the world that you described is the world of autonomous identification, as as we like to say, because platforms, right? People operating, advertising, transaction buyers and sellers are third parties to the page on which the ad is going to be served, right? And as third party, you were able in the past to autonomously identify users by using maids or cookies on your own almost, right? Like without having to ask for permission or without having any technical limitations, right? And so this, we, we come from this place of autonomous identification where everybody had their own ability to differentiate one device from another, right? And, and with, with the de- deprecation of cookies, with the deprecation of mobile ad IDs, we're getting into a world where as a third party, you're really a second-class citizen when it comes to accessing the site. And so you cannot autonomously identify users anymore. You have to be told who they are, right? Right. You're on the outside. That's the of, shift. You're on the outside looking exactly. in Exactly. That's that's the shift that's happened. That, that's happening and that's gonna happen over the next four years. It's this this inability of people to autonomously retrieve their own ID, right? And so that shift means that you have to tell them the page has to tell them who the user is, who the device right. is, right? Yep. And and to do this, you need kind of a consistent identification method on as many devices, as many sites as possible. And you need a universal language, right? A, a notion of currency, because not only do people need to be able to read it, but they need to be able to use this identification method to share information with each other. And that's right. where the notion of currency really becomes relevant. It's a means of transacting. It's a means of collecting information on customers. And it's a means of transacting information between platforms on, on those customers. So that's, okay. that's the shift that's happening right now. And that's why what we do becomes relevant because... In the past, right? Why? Why do you need people to tell you a user? You could you could just read it from yourself, right? You you could yeah. you could kind of try to find other information that you didn't have. You could source email address to kind of tie your cookie to an email address. You could source profile information, right, to enrich your understanding of a customer. But basically, you could know that this device, right, is always the same device using cookies and mobile ad IDs. Now
0: you can't anymore. Yeah, so let, let's talk about how your product solves this problem because it's a really daunting problem. The problem itself is, I would say, unsolvable at a perfect level. Like, we can never perfectly know every, every user yeah. in every environment. So it's a question about how close you can get. Yeah. So I guess the best place to start would be, you know, a in a web browser, a user goes to a publisher's website, and I assume your tag is on that page. Yeah, so, so a, a browser... Logs onto
1: a website, right? So mm-hmm. uh, uh, access a web page. That page is connected to us, either through tag or server side, and passes us what we call signals that we re- resolve into an ID, right? Okay. And those signals can be an email address if the user has logged in, a phone number, or some, some form of like what we call heart signals, or some form of information that will enable for deterministic identification, right? A repo at architecture.com right if you see on two different sites we know that you're the same user right it's architecture, but tv just just FYI. okay sorry <laughs> sorry my bad so right if 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 we see that information that's one of the signals that we get from the sites they pass us emails of users who have logged in they pass us other type of deterministic or information that we were able to use for deterministic matching and then they also pass us what we call soft signals which are signal that will be processed through an algorithm so that we can guess with a high enough level of confidence that, yes, because you have this IP address, you were on that site at that time of the day, you have this user agent or this kind of, you know, set of car- characteristics on your machine, we recognize you as being the same one with a high enough level of confidence, right? Right. So our job is to, it's to take all of those signals and we take 10 billion signals a day. So we have like, you know, a huge coverage of, of devices and, and through and websites and apps. Take those signals and resolve them into an ID that we then provide back to the site. And then what the site does with that ID is that it shares it with their SSP, their DMP, you know, CDP, et cetera, et cetera, so that those platforms who are third party servers to the site have an ID to work with and to do what they do, which can be profiling, which can be frequency capping, monetization, attribution, measurement, targeting, et cetera, et cetera. So is it a centralized database of all the IDs that you have? Yes. I mean, it's technically decentralized uh, in, a, in a cloud infrastructure, but it is, it is one central repository of signal that mm-hmm. we look up to then uh, determine what is the ID of that particular, uh, that corresponds to that particular set of signals.
0: Elephant in the room.
1: Privacy. Privacy. Okay. Favorite topic. Uh,
0: <laughs> you mentioned IP addresses. You're, you, yeah. you're creating an ID that's centralized it sounds an awful lot like you're a controller and that you need consent uh, in the GDPR yep. land uh, for doing what you're doing. I'll start there. What's your point of view on that? We are, and we do. Okay, you're a controller, right? So a publisher needs to get uh, they need to opt-in disclose.
1: Th- absolutely, they need to disclose to the users that we are processing personal data for them and and what purpose we are processing that data for, and they need to get users to agree and
0: so to consent uh, mm-hmm.
1: for us to do that. Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. And then you're then passing that ID to other parties, to SSPs, DSPs, et cetera. How does the consent layer on to those transactions? So that's where we basically take into consideration
1: our own legal basis. So we read the consent information that we receive and we read the entire consent string, right? So Mm -hmm. who else has consent for processing personal data? And that's the basis on which we encrypt Mm -hmm. the ID. Right, So, if you say, you know, again, DSP1 has consent, but DSP2 does not have consent, the string that we provide, the ID string that we provide, is decryptable by ID1, but not by ID2. Okay. So, we enforce that kind of consent preferences, those preferences expressed by users, so that only DSP1 is able to use the ID, and so to overlay data and, and use personal data for that given user, and DSP2 isn't. Similarly, the graph will be filtered on IDs that have been consented to for the different clients to which we deliver it.
0: Thanks for listening. To hear the complete interview, subscribe at architecture.tv.